Hey there. Welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. For those of you that have been around for a while, hopefully you've got the gist of what we chat about on here. For those of you that are new to this, this is a show where I get to chat with cool people doing interesting things. They inspire me and hopefully you to get out of our comfort zones through their actions and ideas. We also get to hear about some of the uncomfortable situations that they've been in. Today is episode number 46 and I'm chatting with Craig Harper. Now I'm fascinated by human capability and when I was at a birthday party last weekend uh, and Craig and his latest accomplishment came up in conversation, uh, I turned to my wife and I said, man, that guy would be awesome to talk to. So I popped a message out to Craig and thankfully he responded. So we managed to have a chat a couple of days ago. Now, for those of you not familiar with Craig's name, Craig has just broken the record for riding a bike from Cape Reinga to the Bluff here in New Zealand. Uh, and for the Kiwis listening, you'll understand what that means in terms of geography. But for the listeners elsewhere, uh, and at last count, actually, we had downloads in over 60 countries, which is pretty cool. Um, the ride is 2,100 kilometers, uh, and New Zealand isn't exactly flat. Craig managed to knock this off in four days, nine hours, and 45 minutes. And he even managed to squeeze a whopping five and a half hours of sleep in there as well, all of which counts in his end time. So today's conversation is a bit of an insight into that journey. We hear about what led Craig to take on this challenge, why he enjoys looking out for new challenges, and how he loves the unknown aspects of them. Why this was more of a mental challenge than a physical one. How he had to change his planned route after the Kaikoura earthquake last year. And we talk about him knocking small goals off along the way towards that bigger one. So Craig definitely makes me question what I'm capable of, and I really enjoy how he embraces and is invigorated by the unknown and testing his limits. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Thanks for sharing the episode out on social media, and thanks for getting uncomfortable with me and Craig today. G'day Craig, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast, thanks for uh, taking the time to have a little bit of a chat with me today. Thank you, um, yeah, no, it's good to chat, it's been, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been an interesting experience, so it's so good to reflect on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Craig, we're, we're here to chat um, about your uh, record-breaking ride from Cape Reinga to, to Bluff very, very recently, um, but first... Can you give uh, me and the listeners a little bit of background about yourself? Um, who is who is Craig Harper? Yeah, sure. I uh, 
so I grew up in Auckland, pretty normal sort of upbringing, really. Um, but I did have lots of opportunities with with sports and, and uh, physical activities. I sort of participated in uh, in all sorts, really, just like any normal kid. Um, I did at high school. I got heavily involved with uh, the sport of rowing, and um, and I rowed pretty competitively uh, for a number of years, leaving school, and was involved in the national um, squad based out of Cambridge in, uh, in the Waikato. And um, I guess from there, from rowing, I sort of really developed a, a love of um, of physical activity and, and competition. And it was probably that sport that sort of taught me um, and gave me a competitive nature and a, and a, and a training um a training regime or um what's what's sort of a uh, a lifestyle where i i always stayed fit and always looked for new challenges and that and from rowing i i seem to I, I finished rowing relatively early retired from that um for a number of reasons but got then involved in multi-sport and adventure racing and from that i sort of then also Developed a love for um, for the outdoors and, and and challenges and and um, and really really enjoyed the adventure racing and with adventure racing came a whole raft of challenges from teamwork to um, putting yourself out there and uh, in uncomfortable um, um, scenarios at different times of the day and night and um, and just recently in the last three or four years and sort of taken up road cycling. Um, on a competitive note, and uh, and and the challenges have sort of got longer and longer, and I've really uh, found myself enjoying and um, had a passion for enduro cycling, and and uh, that's just what sort of led me uh, to my latest challenge of this length of New Zealand uh, Cape Ranger to Bluff record attempt. Awesome! So. Quite a quite a sporty kid growing up, and then uh, into into competitive rowing, and that probably kind of sounds like it it laid the base for you for just leading a, a really active lifestyle, but also kind of helped you build the ha- habits of being able to train consistently and kind of uh, learning yeah. learning how your body worked with that. And then, yeah, and discovering that, um, and discovering that, you know, with hard work, you know, you can reach results. So, I guess that's what Lauren really taught me was, um, you know, you put the effort into something, you can, uh, you can reap the rewards. Really, yeah, yeah, cool. And then um, the adventure racing uh, and multi sport, just the the love of of getting outside and kind of pushing yourself to to your limits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and uh, the variety, um, and I think that's been something I've sort of carried on with. My challenges recently have, have all been different, or they've been for different reasons. I've sort of enjoyed, rather than just doing the same thing, um, I would sort of look to something different to challenge myself and put myself in new situations, and uh, yeah, it's something I've really, I've really reflected on um, recently is, uh, and enjoyed the sort of unknown aspect to challenges and um, yeah something I've sort of really really um, enjoyed about this latest challenge cool and why why do you think it is that you kind of enjoy consistently challenging yourself 
that's a good question. Uh, I guess some of it's competitive. And, um, having been always sort of competitive sport-wise, um, some of it's a, com- a competitive reason. You want to, um, you you want to. I, I want to know: Can I actually really do that sort of thing? You ask that question to you, um, and so it's. Uh, you know, I feel like you're only really learning when you're when you're challenging yourself. You know, if you're just doing the same thing or things that you know you can do, then you're not really learning much about yourself, or you're not, um, you know, you're not you're not taking any risks. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I think it's some of those reasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I completely agree with that. And um, I, yeah, I think we we learn the most about ourselves is when we kind of push our push our limits and push our boundaries a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. So the the most recent challenge that you did, the the Cape Ranger to to bluff ride, um, where you where you broke the uh, the record. What yeah. kind of drew you to to that challenge? Um, so I first was made aware of it by the current record holder. Actually, uh, I was at an intro cycling event in Taupo and and met bit of a legend of the um, enduro cycling uh, community, Colin Anderson, um, and he, he's he been doing it for a number of years, and uh, in post the ride, he sent me a congratulatory um, email um, and, and mentioned that in the email that uh, I should have a, he, think, he thought I should have a crack at his national record for the length of New Zealand, and uh, and I read this email, and um, and yeah, sort of made me sit up, and I thought about it for a few months, and um, and over sort of the course of last year, I I uh, thought about it and thought that it was um, did a lot of planning and that, and um, and and went through some basic sort of logistics and thought it was achievable, and uh, yeah, and, and put it in place, and. Um, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So you you kind of had the goal of breaking the record uh, before you before you started. Yes. Yep. That was always the goal. Look, uh, um, it wasn't just the length of New Zealand rise. Um, yep. No, it was always about breaking the record. Really, that was yeah. It was the personal uh, personal goal. Awesome. And had you done, I mean, you, you've done a bit of enduro cycling before. Had you done anything kind of to this extent? Um, so I've done uh, a few 500 and uh, sort of 600 rides and I've done a 1,000K um, ride around the Great Ride, which is all, are all sort of multi-lap races. Um, and so this was by far the longest uh, ride I'd undertaken, um, but I guess from those 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 other ones I've done, I obviously learned a lot about um, what works and what doesn't. And uh, but it was a slightly different aspect, being point to point, and um, was going to have was going to contain a whole lot more variables than uh, than what I'd done before. So there was a, certainly a, a, a huge change and challenge, and a whole lot of different aspects and unknowns that. Um, that I was facing preparing for this ride. Yeah. What were some of those uh, challenges that you had been facing? So uh, 
um, the first one, the major one's probably the course choice. So um, rules that the guys had set on these previous records were you can ride whichever roads you want, um, you can take whichever route you want. So um, so selecting a course first was was provided a provided a big challenge. Um, being familiar with some roads and not others, you know. So I had to inquire a lot about perhaps what was the best choice of. Um, of route to ride and um, and consider all, all the options and then after I'd sort of come up with the course we obviously were um, pre-Christmas last year affected down here in the South Island with, um, with the Kaikoura earthquakes and uh, so that put a, a wee spanner in the works as far as the course I uh, was unable to ride probably what um, a lot of people think would be the quickest and most direct route through to Christchurch so I had to look at other options there so yeah, course course selection was um, probably the biggest challenge in planning, um, and then then I faced a lot of um, issues regarding logistics and vehicle support and and personnel for support crew, um, which they all play a huge part in uh, in making it a successful ride. Um, and because as you can imagine, the um, the ride's all about. Uh, all about time and watching the clock and, and limiting your stops and being consistent. So, um, so having a really well functional support crew and um, support vehicle system is, um, was was really important. So, um, there's a huge amount of planning went into into that. Yeah, how long were you guys planning for? I guess uh, probably from the start of summer, maybe. August, September, I really sort of started putting a few things in place and, um, and once sort of summer kicked off, I named my date, um, the start date. So we were able to then work back from there and, and work out what we needed, um, by when. Um, so it's really been, uh, it's probably been something that I've been thinking about personally for about a year, but probably involved others for the last five or six months. Awesome. So, how do you go about training for something like this? Yeah, I've always said to people, a lot of people have asked that question, and I've always said uh, the ride of this length and most enduro cycle events, they are more mental than physical challenges. Um, certainly, you can't train for sitting on a bike for for a hundred hours without stopping. Really. Um, you know, it's just not practical to go to go um, spend that sort of time on on a bike um, and just and physically you you couldn't you couldn't handle that sort of thing continuously. So um, the challenge is definitely more a mental mental one than physical. Uh, so approaching it, um, obviously, experience of having done longer rides helps. Who knows what know what works for me as far as gear goes and and my approach. Um, Mentally, and, and which people I want around me, and uh, and nutrition. Um, so experience really helps. Um, yeah, and just and just approaching it um, the right way mentally. Obviously, there was a lot of um, time to think leading up to the ride um, about it. So um, you know, uh, going over scenarios in your head and, and playing out. Different scenarios and possibilities of what can happen uh, helped me, gave me confidence. Um, 
always said to people, you've got to really just focus on the positive thoughts and not, um, you know, with a ride of this length, it's really easy to uh, to start thinking negatively and think about how far there is to go or how 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 uh, uncomfortable you might be feeling. Um, but it's it's really the biggest challenge is to is to think of the positive things and and put and shut those negative thoughts out. So um, your positive thinking is is a huge is a huge um, aspect. When it gets tough for you, Craig, and when it got tough for you in the ride, like, do you have any tricks or anything that you use to keep your thinking positive, or how do you kind of stop yourself from, um, yeah, just kind of having all those negative thoughts bubble up and think, oh man, I've just got so long to go. I try and uh, keep things as normal as possible, so that, say, for example, you can imagine over four or five days you. You're um, you're you're involved with a lot of people, um, and you, you might speak to a lot of different people along the way. Um, the people who might be supporting you, or just had a few lots of friends that would come out and, and meet me on the side of the road or something. So, if I just if I happen to stop and talk to them, I try to be as normal as possible, and um, and they'd obviously ask me oh, how you're going, and, and so I, I'd always I'd. Um, I'd like to think I'm sort of sort of quite a humble sort of guy. I'd always respond quite positively and say, "Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good. How about yourself?" And try and have a bit of a normal conversation um, rather than just talking about how hard the night before had been or things like that. So um, I, I seem to I just try and keep things normal when I'm um, when I'm interacting with people. Uh, that's sort of I guess one. I guess you could call it a trick or just just something I I feel more comfortable doing. Yeah. 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 What about when you're when you're on the bike by yourself? Is there any way yeah. that you kind yeah. of keep yourself on track then? Uh, really just mentally, um you've got to break down obviously the big the big stages and, and break them down into smaller goals. So um, you know, we used a lot of uh of because we were going through a lot of towns, we'd use a lot of um, planning and, and um, discuss, you know, the distance to the next town. So that would be the main focus for that hour or two, um, and then move on to the next. Um, I had a I had a distance chart on the side of my main support vehicle, um, which so I, I rode. Um, the distance was just over uh, twenty one hundred k. So I, I had a distance chart marked into hundred kilometre blocks. And I physically had a vivid marker, and I crossed off the 100s, 200, 300. Every every time I clocked over 100 k's, I'd, I'd physically actually do that myself, and that really, um, you know, uh, gave me a positive reinforcement, and that I was making progress. So things like that are, are really good, you know. Especially towards the end, I was the 1500, 1600 k's. I could really see that I was making really good progress and and the end was achievable and I wasn't thinking I've still got five or six hundred Ks to go. I was thinking, Oh, I've done fifteen hundred, I've done sixteen hundred. Um so little tricks like that uh seem to work pretty well. Yeah. Kind of that uh celebration of what you've already achieved rather than, hey, I've still got this bit to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing worse than thinking. And something I really did struggle with on the last day was um, 
you know, my third day was sort of a really make or break day, and um, and and uh, you know, I wanted to complete the 500k in that day and um, in that 24-hour period, and that was a really big focus for that third day, and I did it, and um, and I came to um, got to just out of Dunedin, and um, and I really struggled with. Uh, there was still sort of 200 and something k's to go, and 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 I had um, I'd really been focusing on on achieving a, certain, a small goal for quite a while, and then all of a sudden was uh, was faced with a new challenge and um, and something I hadn't uh, like a distance to go rather than what I'd done, and um, and that really played <laughs> played a few tricks on my head for for that last day. It was it was really tough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Craig, we've kind of been talking about uh, talking about the race a little bit now, but should we kind of take you back to the start of the race when you when you left Cape Reinga? Because what what day did you start yeah. off on? Uh, it was Monday, twentieth of February. So yeah, it was a Monday morning. We um, yeah, we had a brilliant um, clear. It was a bit breezy, but we had a brilliantly clear morning. Um, we were up there at. Um, about seven thirty in the morning, there was no one else there then. Uh, we'd visited the the lighthouse the day before, and it was really busy with lots of tourists and uh, sightseers, and and which was nice. And then we got there, and it was just ourselves um, for the morning of the start. So it was actually it was quite a uh, quite a special moment. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And then you take off from there and you and you head south. Um, and are you kind of riding just by yourself or you have a support vehicle coming along with you as well? Yes, a support vehicle was with me the whole ride. Um, and in the South Island, I had a couple more, so I had quite a convoy following, which was really good. Um, to begin with, I set off from the lighthouse on my own. There was a support crew there for when I started down by the lighthouse. And for those that have been there, they know that there's a quite a pathway up to the car park. So, um, so I set off in the lighthouse and bike go up the pathway and onto the road and set off. And support crew had some gear and that they needed to pack up and they walked up the path. And so they rejoined me half an hour or so down the road. They caught up to me, but it was quite a quite a nice special moment just setting off, um, heading down the road and uh, and finally to get riding after so much uh, so much time. Thinking about it, it was um, it was good to have half an hour so on my own. But uh, from then on, yeah, I had I had um, my crew pretty basically pretty much behind me the whole way. Awesome. And what what route did you decide to take with, with all your planning? Uh, so the I was largely I probably more than half of it would have been State Highway One. I was State Highway One through to Auckland, and then um, and then round the western side of Auckland, um, so through Helensville and round um, in the sort of northwestern route round round the city and through to town, and then it was largely uh, State Highway One down through to Hamilton, and then um, I chose to go the western bays around Lake Taupo. Um, I'm sort of familiar with that route, and um, thought it'd be less busy. Um, well, potentially maybe a little bit of more hillier. It was nice to get off the main roads through that section and through to Turangi, and then it was State Highway 1 um, for the rest of the North Island. And uh, In the South Island, I chose to head inland from, from Blenheim um, 
everything go up the Wairau Valley and through the rain, and then I had to do an off-road section through the Hamner Springs, through the Rainbow Road. So um, that was, and that was due to the, um, otherwise I would have gone State High 1, the Kaikoura route, um, uh, the old main road, which is obviously closed um, at the moment. So, and then from Hamner I was back through into Christchurch and then State High 1, the rest of the, rest of the South Island. So the route was busy but um you know, I knew that knew it was gonna be busy with traffic but and that was the shortest shortest um and and fastest road so it's that's why I sort of stuck to stuck to that road when I could. Yeah. And with the the guys that have previously held the record or or other people that have uh, kind of made record attempts, they've yeah. they have obviously haven't had that off-road part down past Kaikoura? No, I was from uh, as far as I know, they would have they would have all gone State Highway One, Eastern Eastern Coast Road through Kaikoura. Yeah, um, but I don't know that for a fact. But um, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that that would have been the um, yeah that would have been the other the main option. Yeah, yeah. And that coast road was the one that you you had been planning on as you were as you were doing it. And then obviously the the yeah. earthquake kind of threw a little bit of spanner of a spanner in the works with that. Um, yeah. Was it quite an easy decision to change the the route and to decide to go off road from there? Um, so I was, I was sort of had basically after the earthquake. I uh, um, a lot of people said, "Oh, well, you know, what are you going to do now? You're even going to do it?" And I never even thought about not doing it. I just decided, "Okay, well, what's what's going to be the the best alternative, um, and I had a couple of options. Um, there's the Molesworth Road up the Arbitry Valley, um, which basically is parallel to the Wairau Valley uh, and comes out at Hamner as well. So that was that was probably the next best option. Um, and then the third option was uh, 63, which is by Lewis Pass, um, which is a lot further distance-wise, and um, I would have lost considerable time. I think the ch- route I chose was um, the best by by considerable amount over the three options. Uh, it was possibly I lost two or three hours over over my coast road that I was would have normally taken, but um, I I still felt comfortable. There were a lot of positives out of out of that off road section. I um, I got a break off the main road. Um, I was able to jump onto a mountain bike. And sit on a road bike, so it gave me a slightly um, different physical uh, position for a while, which was a, a bit of a relief from some some issues on the road bike. And um, yeah, it was just generally nice to get it off the main road. But awesome, yeah, yeah. I was I was going to ask you um, what I, what you enjoyed yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. You guys just knew from the start that I've just got to think about the good things out of it and. Uh, and just and just do it and not uh, not dwell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Craig, one thing. I mean, I, I mentioned that uh, before we started recording that uh, kind of I, I first heard, heard about you on the weekend about breaking breaking the record, and we kind of discussed the ride a little bit. Um, does the timing include the ferry trip from Wellington over to Picton as well? Yeah, so the the same format that the other guys have used is basically the clock starts when you leave the lighthouse and finishes when you get to Bluff at Stirling Point. Um, so yes, it includes however you wish or can get across 
Cook Strait. Um, so in the past, the others have flown or um, chartered uh, helicopters or planes into um, across the strait, and I I did the same. I was fortunate enough to um, get sponsored a helicopter ride from um, Queens Wharf there in Wellington to into Picton direct. So um, so yes, uh, I think probably I was off the bike for thirty or forty minutes total, probably, um, and it was about twenty twenty minute helicopter ride. So. So yeah, it's um, obviously a lot faster than the ferry. Um, it, the uh, you know the ferry you could use if you could time it perfectly um, as a as a sort of a sleep a sleep opportunity. But um, there's a lot of risks, and and, and obviously not knowing exactly where and when you'll be, it was um, obviously far more of an advantage just to get across the strait and then uh, and then carry on with your routine. Yeah. Yeah, how was the weather the the day that you took the helicopter across? Because I there's a few days that I imagine that you just wouldn't want to be in a helicopter over Cook Strait. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was it was breezy northwest um, in Wellington, but not gale, so it was okay. And um, it was better in Blenheim on the Picton side of it, um, Australia as well. So it was it was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Fantastic. And I mean, I, I want to kind of talk a couple of logistics about the ride with you because yeah. obviously it's a fair distance to do in four days, nine hours and 45 minutes. How did you work sleep into it? Uh, so sleep's um, obviously not high on the priority list, um, but yeah, it over that sort of time, four or five days, you you do need some. So we we had a couple of motels for like an hour um, or so, uh, which is quite strange. Rocking up to a motel and only using it for an hour, but um, yeah. So I had I had about four sleep stops, and I think I totaled about five and a half hours sleep for the for the whole ride, um, and. You know, I guess I, I was able to draw on a bit of experience in the past from adventure racing and um, and that and, and knowing what I sort of could handle and, and everyone's different. But um, I think a lot of people have asked about the sleep thing and are amazed about the lack of sleep. Um, but I think um, having done it and seeing a lot of people do it, um, it's it's more it's less of an issue in that. What people think, um, yeah. So it's it's just it's just how you approach it, really mentally. If you if you're willing to accept it, and um, you know the focus was always on the riding, so um, in, in the time limit. So uh, you know, I yeah, it would have been great to lie down for longer, but um, but your mind's always thinking about trying to beat the record. So you know, you don't you want to limit your stop. So when you when you wake up, it's not hard to find motivation to get going again because because you're on a time limit and it's a record to be broken and um and and you want to do it so um so yeah you know for four or five days a bit of uh discomfort is um is well worth it yeah yeah definitely um and i mean that i've had a chat actually with a long distance race walker as well who uh completed a six-day race course over in france last year and we kind of we were talking 
as the race was going on. So I had a chat with him every couple of days. And I mean, he was still making a lot of sense on the sixth day. And I think in that time he'd had maybe sort of 10 hours sleep. So, I mean, yeah. it's amazing how you conti- your body continues to function with that. He said he had a very good sleep afterwards, but it, it <laughs> yeah. didn't seem to affect him kind of uh, mentally that much. And it doesn't sound like it yeah. did for you either. Yeah, no, I'd like to think I was um, pretty coherent at the end, but I seem to remember everything. I think once you go longer, from my experience, uh, when you start doing that thing for longer than sort of four or five or six days, then you start to really, can really um, be big issues. Um, and some of the adventure racing, I did experience a little bit of um, hallucination and that, but pretty minor, and that was after sort of five or six days. So I think after that sort of length of time, then you would really start to... Um, run into issues obviously there was a safety aspect to to my ride as well um as opposed to maybe um being off a bike and, and and doing something where if you fell asleep you know you just fall over but i obviously there was a something that we we needed to consider was a safety issue you know i was on busy roads and um and i needed to for my own safety and my support crew safety needed to um, stay in control and stay alert as to as to what I was doing on the bike. So, so that was an interesting aspect too. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask you about is uh, nutrition and eating while you're riding as well. So, obviously, you had the kind of set stops to sleep, but most of the most of the nutrition you're taking in is that while you're still riding, and kind of what what are you taking in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all, pretty much all of it's riding. Like I was on the bike out of a 24-hour period, I was probably on the bike pedaling for, um, you know, 21 hours, I suppose. So, um, so you know, by the time you just do a couple of short stops during the day for um, maybe toilet stops and changing clothing um, and another stop for maybe an hour and a half for sleep or something, um, you really need to be on the bike moving for the rest of it to uh, to accumulate the distance. So, so yeah, um, a lot of nutrition was taken on the bike, um, and uh, the type of foods. Um, obviously, having done a fair bit of um, sport um, experience in that, I you know there are certain sport-related energy foods that I I know work well for me and what don't. So a few of those, but I definitely when you, when you start doing exercising for longer than a day or um, you do you do need to eat, try and eat as normally as possible. So, um, you know, I, I definitely after a while crave a lot of um, fresh, fresh fruit and um, and and just normal food. You know, just even just egg sandwiches or something like that. It's just quite normal, um, uh, which is which is quite refreshing from um, from some of the sort of energy energy sugar foods that um, that you know are popular with sports events. Um, the fluid was obviously a, a big issue, especially during the day when it was um, when it was so so warm. Um, staying hydrated was a was a big issue. So so um, electrolyte drinks and things like that were were pretty common. Yeah, yeah. So kind of a mix of a mix of sport related stuff, but also the the kind of standard foods and just obviously all handheld stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you, you tend to crave after high sugar stuff. You then definitely crave um, 
quite savoury foods too. Um, so uh, you go, you find yourself craving different foods at diff- different times of the day. It's quite quite strange. Um, sometimes you don't know, really feel like something sweet, or um, and that, and then and then um, a little while later you might feel like something really salty and savoury. So um, so you're keeping a variety. There's is um, is is good and important. Yeah. Yeah, and hey mate, um, when you when you rolled into Bluff and and you knew you had the record, how did you feel? Uh, it was obviously pretty emotional. Uh, you know, obviously a lot's gone into it, uh, and had some. I was, I was, um, I was wrapped. I was able to have you know all my support crew there, and uh, and and some even some others, some keen supporters of flying down from Blenheim. Um so we we had a great great group there. It was um we were fortunate it was a really nice day. Um it was breezy but as his bluff I think probably is most of the time. But um you know it was it was a nice flying day and it was it was late in the afternoon. So we I got there I was um obviously pretty relieved to be um uh just pretty thankful really that everything had gone pretty much to plan. We hadn't had too many major issues to to worry about, or nothing unexpected. Anyway, we seem to we seem to deal with most things that were thrown at us along the way. Um, it was just really nice to 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 get there, and then just we spent a bit of time. We were sitting there for an hour or two, we, um, and and just sort of soaked it up. Really, we, there were a few tourists and sightseers around anyway, um, so there were a few people gathered there. It was nice just to sit down and. And reflect sort of for for a short while um, with those that had helped me. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty emotional, um, and uh, and I think it's probably still sinking in a little bit now. Two weeks later, yeah. And reflecting on it, um, kind of what have you? What things have you taken away from that that ride? Uh, I I think. Uh, you know, I, 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 I was always a believer beforehand that, um, you know, you're, you're always capable of achieving more than perhaps you think and, uh, and, and things like, you know, you're only really learning about yourself and that when you're, when you're out of your comfort zone and that. I think those couple of principles, even, I believe in even more so. Um, you know, a lot of people have said they've been inspired by what I did and I sort of, that certainly wasn't the goal when I set out was to um was to inspire people. It was it was all a sort of pretty much a self um uh, self motivated uh passion and reason for doing it. But um I've I guess I've realised since that uh I, um what I've sort of managed to achieve was pretty special and uh and um I'm pretty thankful for that and I uh, and I can understand people being interested and in, um and maybe being inspired. Uh, you know, one of the other big aspects of my ride was um, was raising money for a, for a uh, Graham Dingle Foundation program, Kiwi Can. And um, so I've had a lot of a lot of um, involvement leading up to it uh, with some school kids um, who who participated in the Kiwi Can program, and um, it's been uh, you know a whole other dimension to my ride. Um, so it's been great been able to talk to some of these kids afterwards and, and they really followed my ride and that and uh, I can see that they really got into it and uh, and were 
it was sort of inspired by someone doing something special. So I've really appreciated that and um, and enjoyed maybe being able to help some kids. Um, yeah, brilliant. Uh, so, do you want yeah, It's been it's pretty pretty neat. Do you want to give us a little bit of a, a kind of a rundown about Kiwi Can and also uh, let us, if the listeners know, kind of if they want to go and support you and support that, where they can do that? Yeah, sure. So we, um, our main form of um, social media for the ride was through a Facebook page. Um, so we called the ride the Long White Ride. And um, so we've got a Facebook page set up for that that people have obviously followed pre and during the ride and we've used as a bit of an avenue for rundowns after the ride. Um, the So the Kiwi Can program is um, is a primary school-based program. Um, it's run in school hours and in the school um, in schools uh, with with the students themselves so it's between ages five and ten Kiwi can runs it's uh, so it's one of five programs run by the Graham Dingle Foundation um, and it uh, it's a um, it's a principles and values based program so it's teaching the kids um, about opportunities and things about themselves and general life skills that they might not be being taught at home or or in the school, um, so it, it's a really, you know, like I was, I was really grateful for having a um, upbringing of lots of opportunities, and uh, and uh, I can see, you know, not all not all kids have those opportunities. So um, it was it was something I now there was a young fan myself. I, I it was a program that I sort of felt passionate about, um, and uh, it's yeah, it's a great program. I've been fortunate enough to. Um, to see 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 it in action and um, and speak to a lot of the kids. So the we were raising money. We had a fundraising evening prior to the event, and um, we also had key sponsors involved in the ride who who donated money straight to um, the Graham Dingle Foundation and the Kiwi Can program um, directly. But uh, we also had a Give a Little page during the ride, which um, which is still active, and uh, so people can. If people are still wanting to um, to assist, uh, give a little, um, and if they search the long white ride on Give a Little, they'll they'll find our page there. Awesome, and I'll pop a link to that in the in the notes for the show as well, mate. Um, I've got a right, couple more okay. questions for you, Craig, uh, before we we tie yeah. this up. Um, I usually ask people what was the last uncomfortable thing you did and how did you get through it, but I think probably the last half an hour or so <laughs> you've spent answering that question. Um, so unless there's anything that you have to add, um, I might jump into the next one. Sure, sure. Mate, um, what is the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that going to be uncomfortable for you? Um. Well, physically, I, I I'm really not really ready to think about the next uncomfortable thing. But uh, I guess out of my comfort zone, um, since the ride, a lot of people have inquired about wanting to know more and and um, and hear me perhaps speak about the ride and anything I have to offer. So I've um, we're just putting in place at the moment some um, a couple of little speaking engagements. Uh, where I'm able to share some stories and, and share some of my lessons and, and, and use some footage from the ride to um, to retell that story. Um, so I'm not um, I'm not one with a lot of public speaking experience. So 
um, certainly that'll be probably a, a good challenge for me and put me out of my comfort zone a little bit and uh, and trying to um, portray my story uh, to make it interesting for others to listen to. Yeah, awesome, mate. And I mean, talking to you today, I'm sure that uh, everyone will find it very fascinating. Actually, you you do yeah. you tell a tell a good story. Um, and I want to thank you today for for sitting down and having a having a little bit of a chat with me and spending a bit of time. Um, but also, I want to thank you for being an example of kind of what you can go and achieve if you put in the hard hard work and you kind of um, you set a set a goal and yeah, work work hard to accomplish it. It's I'm fascinated by what the what we're capable of as people, um, and I think you're you're just another example of sh- that shows. Hey, this is this is something that you can do if you really get in there yeah. and, and have a go at it. So thank you for that as well. Right, my pleasure. It's um, yeah, um, just wrapped uh, of uh, to discuss it. Really, I uh, it's um, yeah, it's been a big learning curve, and uh, I think. Well, hopefully it will continue to be. So, yeah. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Awesome. And Craig, one more question before we, we wrap up, mate. Um, do you have any advice or life lessons or interesting facts to leave me and the listeners with? Uh, just something I've always sort of thought about. Um, we were very fortunate to meet uh, a local in Kaitaia the day before I started my ride. Um Ricky Horton, he's a um, he's got a bit of a political tie up there, but he's he's got a trust that's set up for um, for uh, you know locals who aren't as fortunate as um, and some, and uh, and helps them out with accommodation and food and things like that, and um, among other things. And uh, we were in his cafe and and just coincidentally ran into him, and um, and it was quite a um, Quite a sort of uplifting spiritual meeting we had with him, and just 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 by accident, and um, he had a sign on his um, he had a sign on his cafe which I sort of really related to a lot during the ride, and it was pretty simple. It was just the words uh, the word hope, and underneath um, it just it said hold on, pain ends, and uh, it was really it was something obviously that I related to a lot because there was a fair bit of pain and discomfort through my ride, but. Um, you know, it was pretty applicable to a lot of um to a lot of people that he that he um deals with, uh, who were going through tough times and um yeah, I just think uh you know, when I was going I had tough moments and dark moments through my ride, I I was sort of always able to reflect on that and I always thought that, you know, the dark moments always end, you know, there's always it'll always get better at some point. So uh in, um, it's just something I've, I've sort of reflected on and uh, tried to pass on. Awesome, mate. That's a, a great note to finish on, I think. Well, what did you guys think of that one? Uh, Craig, again, definitely makes me question what it is that I'm capable of. And he, I think he's just another example about what you can achieve if you're willing to get a little bit uncomfortable uh, so congratulations, Craig, again on that record. It's uh, it's very impressive, mate, and good luck with all your public speaking engagements that are coming up out of this. 
So let me know what you think, guys. Uh, head over to Facebook at Uncomfortable is OK, Instagram, Uncomfortable is OK, or send me a tweet, even, uh, Chris Desmond NZ on Twitter, or you can pop me an email, Uncomfortable is OK at gmail.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen, guys. Thanks for sharing the episode out with your mates. Uh, and as always, Thanks to my pretty awesome younger brother, Jeremy Desmond, for the fantastic theme music for the podcast. Hope you guys have a great week, and I'll see you back here again next week.